Well, good morning, everyone. We uh, are finally back together, which is good, and I'm excited about that, especially with such a crazy January and uh, having to cancel uh, church a couple of times. And uh, I just wanted you guys to know here at the beginning that I've missed you. I haven't missed all of you, but I've missed some of you. No, I've missed all of you guys. Um, And how many of you started, it's been so many inches of snow ago, but how many of you started uh, the beginning of the year by saying something like this, uh, this year is going to be different? How how many would say you, no one? Uh, So I guess... Well, it's a good thing you came today, because uh, I'm going to tell you how you can make things different. So uh, many of us began on December 31st or January 1, and we were like, I've got best intentions. I'm going to make some New Year's resolutions. And then all of a sudden, we just got, you know, land blasted by all of this snow and sleet and all this. And we've been cooped up in our homes and all of those things we kind of gave up on. But today, I want to say, is a redo. Today is a new day. Just think of today as being January 2nd. And you're so excited and energetic for what the new year has, okay? Because for many of us, that's what we need to do. We need to uh, recalculate. Um, And as your pastor, as someone who loves you, I want you to get back to that excitement that you had to dust off the snow, uh, and to make this a different kind of year. I mean, the reality is, is that many of us want to make some changes in our lives. We want to be different in some areas of our lives. Maybe it's uh, a health area, or maybe it's in your finances, or maybe it's with your marriage or a relationship um, or your career. And the question is, what does it take to make that change? Well, you've got to have faith. You've got to have faith to believe that change really is possible. And you've got to set some faith goals, some personal goals. Now, some of you are sitting there today and you're asking, why? Why do I have to set some goals? Why do I have to set some personal goals in my life? Well, the reason... Uh, is is because the Bible challenges us to do that if we want to live the healthiest life. And I want to give you five reasons uh, this morning of why the Bible says we need to set goals. First of all is this first one, which is goal setting is a spiritual discipline. Goal setting is a spiritual discipline. It's a, it's a spiritual habit. Just like prayer or fasting or reading your Bible, or praying, or spending some time with God, or financially setting up your life so that you give God the first uh, fruits of your life. Any of those spiritual habits are habits that help you grow. And goal setting is a spiritual discipline as well. It's where you say to God, God, I want to make the most of what you have given to me. And I realize that if I'm going to do that, I've got to set some goals. Now, folks, the reality is you're going to do one of three things with your life. You're either going to waste your life, you're going to spend your life, or you're going to invest your life. And you get to choose what you want to do with that. Now, the reality is 
many of us can think of plenty of ways to waste our life, right? Or there's plenty of ways that we can think of to spend your life. But if you want to make the most of your life, you need to invest your life in something that outlasts it. I've said it many times before, your time here on earth is like one grain of sand. And all the other grains of sand in the entire world is where you're going to do in eternity. Now, there are three kinds of people in this world. There are people who make things happen. There are people who watch things happen. And there are people who wonder what the heck is happening. You know what I mean? They just like walk through life and they have no clue whatsoever. And uh, Chuck Mock is not one of those people. But Chuck Mock is our ministry director for Celebrate Recovery. And some of you guys are dealing with some hurts or some habits that you want to change or hang-ups in your life, and you just keep doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results, and you know what that's called? Insanity. It doesn't change. So Thursdays at 7 o'clock, if you have a hurt, habit, or hang-up, you should go there because you're going to get healed and you're going to be healthier for the next year. But Chuck one time sent me a quote. I was kind of struggling with the fact that I wasn't able to move a particular team in the church. And he said, here, uh, I want to give this to you. And it's up on my cork board, and this is what it says. The people that say something can't be done should get out of the way of the people that are doing it. Isn't that a great quote? I mean, it's just wonderful. I mean, there are a lot of people in your life who sit around and they just take pot shots at you all the time. They're trying to interrupt the fact that you're trying to make something of your life. For some of you, it might be coming to church today that you're just like, you know what, we're going to go even though the weather's not all that great and we've missed a couple weeks. We're going today. And the reality is, when people are saying, oh man, your life's so messed up, why are you going to church? Exactly, that's why I go every week, because I'm messed up. And those people that are getting in your way, they just need to get out of the way. I bet many of you know people like that in your life. People who are always critical. They always see the glass half empty. They're the Debbie Downers of life, or the Derek Downers of life. Because sometimes Derek can be that way. So, you know, I mean... And we, we have a special name for those people. They are called EGRs. And this is what it is. EGR equals extra grace required people. These are people that you have to love them, but they're joy killers. They know how to kill joy all the time. Now, if you're sitting by one right now, don't call them out, okay? But they're joy killers. And if you let them long enough, They'll rain on your parade. They'll snow on your faith goals. Now, one of the reasons why we need to set goals in every area of our life is because God sets goals. God is a goal-setting God. You may not have realized this, but God has set some goals that haven't, haven't, that haven't even happened yet. God has goals for his family, this place called the church, that haven't even happened yet. God has set some goals for your life that haven't happened yet. God has goals for your life. And God wants you to set some goals as well. 
Here's one example. Paul, who wrote over half of the New Testament, and we'll look at many of his uh, writings today. He says this in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 10. Ephesians is in the second uh, part of the Bible in the New Testament. And in Ephesians, he's writing a letter to people, and he writes this letter, and he says it to uh, a group of church folks. He says, God plans to bring all of history. And if you would, just circle those first two words, God plans. Because God is a planning God. God plans. God doesn't just sit on a cloud up in heaven somewhere, just like taking it easy. I'm God! Woo! The heck with them! I'm just doing my own thing! God plans what's happening. He's a planning God. Now, some people are not planning people. Some people are like, I'm not going to make any plans. I'm just going to trust God. I'm not going to make any plans for my life. I'm just going to go with the flow. You ever hear people say that before? I'm just going to go with the flow. That's not spiritual, folks. You know what that is? Stupid. You go with the flow, it doesn't help you at all. It's just like you're drifting back and forth. And you see what happens with snow drifts because we've seen them. It drifts, you plow through, and what happens? You just drifts again. just keeps on drifting. And that's what happens with some of our lives when we don't have plans. Scripture says God plans to bring all of history to its... What's the next word? So God has plans and He has a goal in Christ. Then Christ will be the head of everything in heaven and on earth. You see, history is moving towards a climax. And the climax is the day of judgment when Scripture says every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. In other words, they'll, they'll say the name of Jesus. Even people that aren't right at that time and they go to hell, they will still be saying, He was right. I should have done it, but He was right. History is moving toward the time in which all of creation will bow the knee to Jesus himself. So God is a goal-setting God, and it's a spiritual discipline. Second reason why you need personal goals or personal faith goals is that goals focus my energy. Goals focus my energy. Energy that is not focused is dispersed and it doesn't have much power. But energy that is focused has enormous power. Again, Paul, uh, the guy who wrote over half the New Testament, one of Jesus' closest followers, says this, I do not run without a goal. I fight like a boxer who is hitting something, not just the air. Now we're going to put a picture up here and... uh, Tell me who that is. Who is that? Almost everybody knew that, right? The greatest heavyweight boxer uh, ever known. And Muhammad used to have this little phrase, float like a butterfly. Look at that. You can't memorize scripture, but you know that. You know what I mean? (laughs) Float like a butterfly, sting like a bee. And his whole point was, that he was going to be a graceful boxer in the ring who could float around and miss. But when he hit a person, it had a powerful punch, just like a bee sting does when a bee uh, stings a person. And and Ali, when he was in the ring, he only had one goal, and his goal was to knock that person out. Now, I was thinking about it this week, that 
Ali and I have a few things in common, you know. Uh, he has a phrase, and I have a phrase in my life too. It goes like this. Float like a balloon and gloat like a goat, okay? I mean, sometimes my life, folks, is like a balloon that is just floating around and there's no purpose, you know? And sometimes I'm just gloating like a goat. You know, I'm strutting around in the house, you know? Hey, look, it's all about me. And I have a tendency, if I'm not careful, to be like that. Float like a balloon and just sit around and gloat like a goat. How many of you have ever been to a petting zoo before in a big zoo? Okay, We had like two people raise their hand in the first celebration. I don't know what's going on. But uh, maybe some of you need to go there so you can raise your hand. But uh, So if you've ever been to a petting zoo before, you go to the petting zoo and uh, you walk in and... There are the prima donnas. And who are the prima donnas when you go into a petting zoo? Goats! Right? Goats! That's all you have. You have goats that are all around you. And they're like, brush me, pet me, feed me. And then they walk around and they have those little poop pellets all over the place. And you're trying to walk around. Then they're like, clean up after me. They don't do anything except walk around in circles. And they have no focus. And Paul says, you need to run toward a goal. You need to run, not in circles. He doesn't want you to box in the air. He wants you to hit your target. I have a purpose. I have a goal in everything I do, he says. God wants to help you to focus. And that's the reason why it's so important that you set goals. The fact is, folks, you don't have time for everything, do you? Do you have time for everything you want to do? No. You don't have time for everything. And the good news is this. God doesn't expect you to do everything. Because not everything is worth doing in the first place. You know, a lot of people, what they struggle with the most is the difference between what is important and what is urgent. What is important and what is urgent. And the urgent is almost never the most important thing. What's most important in your life is the stuff that is the easiest to set aside. For example, you want to spend more time with God. Someone calls. There's a TV show on. There's a squirrel out the window. It really doesn't matter what it is. But all of a sudden, you're like, I'm going to set that aside. I want to spend more time with my family. Easiest thing. You can just set it aside. Those of you who have kids, a statistic I read this week, that from first grade until they become a teenager, you have 360 Saturdays. And after that, folks, it's a whole different game. And so if you get your kids involved in every single activity there ever is in the history of activity world, guess what? You're not going to see them on Saturdays. And then the Saturday is going to come when they don't want to be around you. I don't want to do that. And so you've got to think about what's most important, what is and what's urgent. The urgent almost always pushes the important away. So urgent does not mean important. It just means urgent. I mean, a lot of, a lot of stuff that you're thinking about for today is not even going to matter tomorrow. Goals, though, focus your energy. 
Any of you ever get to the end of your day and uh, you just say to yourself, where did all the time go? Anyone? You ever do that? The rest of you are liars, we know. But anyways, you know, yeah, I do it all the time. And the reason is because you were unfocused. You didn't have a goal. That's why I told you a couple of months ago, I've been reading a book called 28 Secrets to Time Management Success. And each week I take one of these and I try to apply it to my life. And one of the first ones says this, start each day with a plan. So the day before you want to do something that's focused, I write down exactly what I want to do. It's been amazing what kind of focus I have. And the days that I don't do that, it's amazing how the urgent things take my time away. The Bible says this, make the most of every opportunity for doing good in these evil days. That means don't waste your time on the non-essentials. It means you need to understand the difference between what is important and what is urgent. You need to know what matters most. Don't try to dabble with 50 different things. It's something that we all are tempted to do, to get into a whole bunch of stuff. That's why you see it with kids all the time. They're involved in like all these things. Don't dabble in that many things. Know what's most important and do those things. Don't worry about everything else. Now, the third thing uh, you want to do to set personal goals is the reason we do it is because uh, goals stretch our faith. It stretches our faith. Now, dreams are good. In fact, we need to have dreams. But dreams don't do anything, folks, unless you actually wake up and you work. I mean, I bet you have some friends. They have so many dreams in their life, and you know, right when it comes out of their mouth, you're like, it ain't never going to happen. Why? Because they don't have any goals connected to their dream. There are dreams, there's resolutions, but the best of all is when you set a goal for that. A lot of people have a lot of dreams, but they don't do anything. They just keep on dreaming. Friends, a, a a goal is a dream with a deadline. A goal is a dream with a deadline. A goal says, by the end of 2014, I want to be able to be at this point in my job. I'm going to weigh this amount. I'm going to have read the New Testament of the Bible. I want to pray for 10 minutes a day. You see, it's specific, it's measurable, so you can measure it at the end. The Bible tells us that God wants uh, us to set goals that stretch our faith. Jesus put it this way. You should memorize this, actually. But let's go ahead and we'll read it out loud together. According to your faith, will it be done to you? So according to your faith, it will be done to you. You have never really trusted God until you've attempted something that you can't do in your own power, in your own flesh. If you can do it on your own power, folks, you don't need faith. Just keep doing it in your own power. Power. So faith goals are goals that are big. They force us to say, God, this is never going to happen unless you show up in the midst of it. And you let God determine the size of your goals. The size of your God determines the size of your goal. And if you have a big God, then you set big goals. But if you have a little puny God, and we don't, then you set those kinds. We set big goals and we watch God move in a big way. 
You know, the biggest mistake that most of us make is that we set goals that are way too low, and then we try to accomplish them overnight, way too quickly. What you need to do is to set some bigger goals and to give yourself some time to actually reach them rather than giving up because you didn't give yourself enough time. Because if it's not worth the rest of your life, folks, if you have a goal in your life, and if that thing is not worth the rest of your life, it's probably not worth five minutes, right? So don't let little goals stand in the way uh, of bigger goals because it's key to have big ones, big goals, and give God time to actually move in the midst of that. I guess what I'm saying is that God is challenging you today to dream big dreams and then to set a deadline on that dream. If you would, when you walked in today, you should have received a uh, program. And if you didn't, just raise your hand. We'll get one to you. But uh, if you would, pull your program out just for a second. And when you first open it up, the very uh, page there says Mission, Vision, uh, and then uh, JAR 2.0. So Mission, Values, and uh, JAR 2.0. And so uh, you can pull that out, maybe crease it down, and uh, we're going to look over this for a second. A couple of years ago, uh, I felt a sense that God was calling us to dream bigger as a church, and then I got some leaders around. They helped the dream uh, even better. Again, it says mission, values, and then JAR 2.0. And so we came up this, with this concept that in the first uh, seven years of the church, we met the goals that we had, the dream that we had, and that we were going to do something uh, larger. And so we developed this concept of JAR 2.0. I'd just like to read it to you. Uh, it says, The vision of the JAR is to dream of a place where we embrace the outcast, encourage the broken, and empower the poor. We're getting there. We're not there yet, but we're getting there. It is a dream of being outward focused as we share the good news of Jesus Christ with thousands of residents in Muncie, Delaware County, and all of this East Central Indiana. It is a dream of 800 partners, and uh, our average attendance in 2013 was 304. Okay? That's something to celebrate because it's a 10% increase from where we were in 2013. When we went to two celebrations, we weren't sure if we had the right numbers, but after you've done a year of that, then you can actually kind of guide and see, oh, okay, yeah, no, this is where uh, we're kind of at. And so now we have uh, numbers to want to increase uh, for this next year, and you're a part of that, inviting your friends, family, coworkers, neighbors. Uh, we want our partners growing together in spiritual maturity through small groups as we serve together, worship together, play together, and live life together. Let me just say this. If you're not in a small group, you'll grow here on Sunday morning, but you won't grow as much. And if you really want to grow, if you want to have change in your life, then the key is getting plugged into a small group. You can go to our small groups table, sign up, and be a part of that. That's where change happens. It is the dream of having a healing center that provides free medical care, counseling, job coaching, and a food pantry to help join God in holistic healing. Uh, this last year, we fed, we served over 1,000 meals to people uh, who were homeless or poverty-stricken through our ministry at uh, Morningstar Breadbasket that we partner with. And we've given thousands and thousands uh, of food and non-perishables to many people in our community. 
Next Sunday, Derek talked about it, we're having our health fair. Now, uh, that was one of the first steps that we wanted to say uh, towards this concept of providing free health care or a health clinic is uh, to say, okay, well, let's start small. Let's do a health fair that we're going to use all of our medical folks in the church to actually do this. And so next week, we'll be providing that for free. It's not a full-blown healing center yet, but we're on the way. The next thing there, it is the dream of having 200 people a part of recovery programs. We have about 30 people uh, weekly on average between Celebrate Recovery and our grief share because when people have lost someone and they're grieving, they need to recover from that. You never fully recover, but to get some steps to know how to do that. And so we have about 30 people that do that, and we've had about 50 folks come in at different times. But we're close to about 25% of that goal. It is a dream of having a growing, effective student ministry with the summer camp experience connected to it. Uh, Derek's already started uh, in December, but this is going to be the first summer that we're going to have a student ministry um, camping experience for our kids. And uh, we're excited about it, um, and you'll learn more in the upcoming months. It is a dream to have a transportation ministry that helps the least of these have transportation to worship the Most High God in our community. It is a dream of sending out hundreds of people out on short-term missions all around the world. Uh, we'll be sending several people to Mexico uh, at the end of April. And if you want to be a part of that, uh, in a couple weeks in your program, you'll see there's a mission orientation kind of meeting. You can come. You can be a part of fulfilling that part of the dream. It is a dream of starting at least one new daughter church. It is a dream of having our own building on 20 acres of land. Now, each year what we do is we take this dream and then we try to think of some specific goals that will help us get to our final place. And I've got a timeline on this uh, dream with our goals, and it's when I retire, okay? Now, uh, in my mind, I'm thinking that's going to be about 20 years. Some of you might want that before. I don't know. But uh, that's what I'm thinking. So when we sat down, we dreamed really, really big... And then we just gave ourselves enough time to do that. And this is what I found with faith goals. They happen faster than your own personal selfish goal. Why? Because God is involved in that. I, I, I would be very surprised if this doesn't happen before I retire. I mean, I believe that this is what's going to happen because it's going to impact and touch our community. And these are God-inspired goals, folks. These aren't Chris Bunch's goals, but God wants this to happen. So what you need to think about is where in this dream of JAR 2.0 can I get plugged into and give of my resources and efforts? It's all based on faith goals. Now, what I'd like you to do is turn to the person beside you uh, and spell faith, okay? So I want spelling tests today. I want you to spell faith, okay? So go ahead. Now, here is the answer on how you spell faith. Here it comes. R-I-S-K. See, education has lied to you the entire time. You thought it was F-A-I-T-H. No, folks, it's R-I-S-K. You don't have faith if you don't take risk. It's just a matter of it. If there are no risks in your life... If you're just playing it safe in every area of your life, then you're not 
pleasing God. Playing it safe is not pleasing God. Because you're not trusting Him. You're not depending on Him. You're not stretching your faith. You're being unfaithful. Now, the next thing uh, is most interesting to me of a goal that I hope you'll set. And this is it. That what goals really do is they build your character. Goals build your character. You see, folks, all of life is simply a course on character development. Life is preparation for eternity. Like I said earlier, uh, your life here on earth is one grain of sand. All the other grains of sand is where you'll spend eternity. And the life that you're living right now is just getting you ready. It's the ready stage for your next life. I mean, mean, if this wasn't true, folks, then what would happen is when you came out of the birth canal, you'd just immediately get sucked up to heaven, right? But it doesn't happen like that. Why? Because God wants to build your character so that you have character when you enter uh, heaven itself. And so there are tests that happen in our life. And Paul is honest about this, about growing character, becoming more and more like Christ, maturing like him is what grows our character. He says this, I do not claim that I've already succeeded. In other words, I haven't reached my goal yet. Or have already become perfect. That is character development that's fully there. He's not there. I keep striving toward the goal for which Christ Jesus has won me to himself. Now, what is that goal? I mean, what is the number one goal that God has for you? Well, it's not to make you happy. That's a side benefit. It's not to make you feel comfortable, because much of life isn't very comfortable, is it? It's not to make you secure, because life isn't always secure. I was talking with a couple this week. Uh, uh, the, the guy, his uh, brother, was killed and murdered a couple weeks ago, and then just this last week, their house caught fire. Now, you want to talk about character development and that nothing is secure. This is what hit this family. And so God's number one goal is, is to this, to make you more like Jesus Christ, to make you more like Jesus Christ. And as I talked to uh, these two folks this week, they were saying we're being tested. We know we're being tested, but we are going to follow Jesus always. They're here today. They're like, we are going to follow Him. We're going to make Him our aim, even if the circumstances of life throw us tons of curveballs. And maybe some of you are at that place today. You just feel like it's all breaking apart. Folks, the goal is that God wants to make you more like Jesus. And the more that you follow Him, it doesn't mean all the circumstances change, but you go through life with a peace that this world doesn't know and that this world can't take away. He wants you to grow up in character. He wants you to learn to respond in everything the way that Jesus did. Even when you're going through trials, tribulations, difficulties, problems, He wants you to treat people like Jesus did. He wants you to learn to love people who are unlovely. He wants you to forgive people who've hurt you. He wants you to be kind to people who can't pay you back. See, it's easy for you to be kind to people who pay you back. What's hard is to be kind to people who don't pay you back. And that's what Jesus did. 
Because those types of actions show his character. Paul said this, then we will mature just as Christ is and he will be completely like him. Let me say this to you. This is the thing about becoming like Jesus, folks. It's not automatic. It's not automatic. It's not instant. It's not easy. It takes time. In fact, it's going to take the rest of your life. If you take the goal that I want to be more like Jesus, every single day he's going to require you to make some changes, whatever they are. That's why when we called this series Change, we just didn't mean change for these six weeks. We mean every day it requires change if you want to have character like him. You see, there's no miracle pill that I can give to you. If I did, we'd have a whole heck of a lot more people here today, and you'd all be running to the stage. And each day we'd go, well, here's your pill. You don't have to worry about anything. Everything's taken care of. And then we'd go over here and someone would say, well, I'm not worried. I'm just impatient. No problem. Here's your pill. It will make you patient. Well, I don't love everybody. No problem. We have a pill here. You've got it right there. Now you can love everybody. And I'm fearful a lot. No problem. We got a pill. Folks, there's not a pill. There's a person. And his name is Jesus. And the more that you focus in on him, the more that these things happen. And it builds your character. So you've got to set spiritual goals. These are my spiritual goals on how I'm going to treat my wife. One of the things I felt convicted at at before the first of the year is how can I treat my wife, Jennifer, better? These are one. First one is I want to be more kind. Now, you might look up here and go, he's not kind? Like, he's the pastor, you know? If he's not kind, we better go find another church, you know what I mean? Well, those pastors aren't always real kind either. But in my marriage, I was like, you know, how can can I be more kind? So one of the things I've decided is each day I'm going to try to do an act of kindness without asking for anything in return. Just an act of kindness, a random act. The other thing, I want to be less sarcastic. One of the things that I found in my life in marriage is that I cannot be sarcastic with any of you, but in my marriage I can be real sarcastic in whatever that is. And I'll say, oh, I'm just joking. I'm just." And she's like, no, you're not. And... Uh, so now we have a little thing in the evening. How do I do on sarcasm today? And it's been a tough month, believe me. I mean, like, you know, you're cooped up in the house. You're, it's so easy to let things fly. And so, you know, Jennifer is very, very patient. Um, and, and so you've got to set those. Did you see what I did, though? I had measurable things that I want to do. I want to do devotions with us in the evening. And so... I want to do one devotion. How many nights do we do it? We don't do it every night. I'd love to say I'm Mr. Super Spiritual. We do it Monday through Friday because we know on the weekends it's hard for us when we put our kids to bed to be able to do that same routine. And so that's the goal. But you set a goal and you make it measurable. They make me more like Christ when you have godly goals. Here's the last thing. Goals give me hope. Goals actually give you hope. Folks, you've got to have hope in life. Uh, Rick Warren, who wrote Purpose Driven Life, he said this, hope helps you to cope. You know, If you want to cope in life, you've got to have some hope. Now, you can live without food for many days. Some of you may not believe that, but you really can. You can live without food for many days. You can live without water for several days. You can learn, live without air for you know, a few seconds. 
But you can't live without hope at all. You can't live without hope. It's essential to life. Now, how many of you uh, would agree with this statement? Life is tough. Anybody agree with that? Life is tough. Look, all of you raised your hand on that one. You didn't know where the petting zoo was, but life is tough. I got that, you know. This is not heaven on earth, folks. And when you come to Jesus, it doesn't mean that everything's going to be perfect. That couple that I just told you about. You know, everything hasn't been perfect for their life in this last month. Life is full of losses, accidents, illnesses, stuff happens. I think of a guy uh, named Earl who uh, I had his funeral a little over a week ago. Now, one year ago, folks, his health was fine. There didn't seem to be any problem whatsoever. Six months ago, he was diagnosed with Lou Gehrig's disease, ALS, and with a matter of six months, he lost every uh, muscle movement that he had. And uh, like I said, uh, a little over a week ago, um, I had his funeral. Six months ago, though, folks, you know, he, he knew he had this disease, but he didn't, he didn't know. But this is what I want you to know about Earl. He just kept pushing on. He ran the race, just like Paul. He was more like Christ at the end of his death than at any other time in his life. His brain is working, working fine, but he has absolutely no control. And he was patient, and he was kind with his wife and everyone in the family. And he's in heaven today, and he's sitting at the feet of Jesus. Why? Because he said, Jesus, I can't do this alone. I need you to help me do this. And he did it. And folks, the reality is this. You and I, we don't know what's going to happen to us this year. But something's going to happen. You're going to have problems. You're going to have difficulties. Things are going to be tough. I don't know what it is. Some of you are going to lose loved ones. You might lose your job. Stuff happens. That's life. You go through it. But what happens is this, folks. When you have goals in your life, and their faith-based goals, when circumstances come, you keep moving forward. Earl's wife is here today helping with hospitality stuff. Why? Because she has goals that go beyond even the hardest time that she's going through. Goals keep you moving forward when you feel like giving up. Goals keep you moving forward when you want to stay in bed and pull the covers over your head. Goals keep you moving forward when you want to throw in the towel. Now, the reality is this, folks. If you don't set any goals for this year, guess what? You're still setting a goal. You know what your goal is? No goals. And you know what's going to happen? You are going to stay exactly the same or it's going to go downhill for you. If I said to you, what's your health goals this year? You say, I don't have one. Guess what? Yes, you do. You're either going to get big, fat, ugly. I might got to get ugly. But you're going to get big, fat, and then you're just going to go straight downhill because you don't have anything that's going to make you healthier. If I say, what are your goals for your finances this year? You say, I don't have any goals for my finances. Guess what's going to happen? It's going to get worse. You're going to go deeper in debt. If you say, what's your goal? If I said, what's your goal for your career this year? And you said, I don't know. You know what's going to happen? You're just going to spin in a circle and you're going to be like, I hate this job. I hate this job. I hate this job. Circle. If I say, what's your goal for your marriage? You say, I don't have any. 
Well, it ain't going to be good. I can tell you, you ain't got a goal for your marriage. It's not going to be good. If you say, if I said, what's your goal for your relationship with God? You say, I don't have one. Well, guess what? Your relationship with God actually is not going to get any closer than what it is today. Folks, you need goals. It's like the, the, the saying, if I aim at nothing, guess what's going to happen? You're going to hit it every time. If you aim at nothing, you'll hit it every time. Long-term goals help us from being discouraged with short-term setbacks. I mean, everybody has setbacks. I have setbacks, you do. We have them all the time. When we first started the JAR here at the Y nine years ago, there were multiple setbacks. One of the things that people would say uh, all the time is, why are you starting a church in Muncie? You see what the economy's like? And guess what? That was some of the best economy that we had. Now, it's moving around now, but, I mean, it was bad. They were like, don't do it. But I just felt like, you know, God wants to do something great in this community, bringing the south side and north side together in this place. People said, don't do it in the gym. It'll kill it. Well, I just never listened. I just kept believing as long as what we can afford, that's what we're going to do, and God will touch people's lives. And so we just kept on doing it. One of the verses that I held on to uh, strongly during this time was in Jeremiah 29:11. It says this, The plans I have for you are plans to prosper you. Do you realize that, folks? That's what God wants to do in your life. He wants to prosper you, not to harm you. There are plans to give you a hope and a future. Folks, you need to have some plans in your life that coincide with God's plans for your life. They don't have to be big. Your dreams have to be big. But your goals can be as small as they are. But they need to be there. You see it all the time when people go in for surgery uh, at a hospital. A person goes in for surgery. They get moved to their room. What's the first thing that they ask you to do? Can you sit up in bed? Then after you sit up in bed, they say, well, can you sit on the edge of the bed with your feet on the floor? Once you do that, can, we, can you walk to this chair? Then can you walk to the bathroom? Then can you walk around the entire wing? And then eventually you go home. People never have goals like this. I'm coming out of surgery. Hey, where's that marathon at? I'm ready to run. You know? It doesn't happen that way. You set small goals, but you have big dreams. You get a little hope, you go further. A little more hope, you go further. A little bit more hope, you keep on going. But this is the thing, folks. God doesn't bless every goal that you have. He blesses the ones that are founded on Him. They're godly goals. Let me share with you just a couple here. First of all, God blesses godly goals that bring glory to God. He blesses the goals that bring glory to Him. Paul says this, Whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. In other words, the Bible says everything that you do, you can do it for the glory of God. If you have the right attitude, the right motivation, the right reason. It says, what, it says, whether you eat, do it for the glory of God. Now, I've been thinking about this. I'm making some changes. But before uh, 2014, when I would go to a restaurant, I did not sit down and naturally think, whatever I'm going to eat, I'm going to do it for the glory of God. 
You know what my thinking was? It was like this. What smells good, what tastes good, and what has the most grease in it. That's me, you know? And now, would you be healthier when you went out to eat or when you sat down and you just asked, God, I want to do this for your glory. What's, what's the option? Would you? The correct answer is yes, okay? No, you would. Now, this is just a small example. Uh, this last week, I had a chance to have chili or green beans. Now, I want you to know, before 2013, it wouldn't have been one bowl of chili. It had been as much chili as I could get. And I would have scraped out all of the vegetables. And I chose green beans. Now, don't clap for me. You did that a couple months ago and it freaked me out. That's not something to clap, okay? When I'm eating salad, you know, then you better pray to God for that. Um, but it was just a small goal. But the thing that the Scripture is saying, it's not just what you eat, but everything in your life, you can do it with a purpose that is doing it for the glory of God. That if you have the right attitude, it's key. Gratitude is that. You know, gratitude is the attitude that sets the altitude for living. If you want to fly high, folks, it all starts with how you think. There's a scripture that I've been memorizing. It says, for as a person thinks in his heart, so he is. Proverbs 27.3. How do I know that? Because for this last month, I've been putting that in my head. And you can do the same. Now, you might ask, what kind of goal will bring glory to God? Any goal that gets you closer to Christ. Scripture says this, we make it our goal to please him, whether we're at home in the body or away from it. Whether we're here on earth or in heaven, it's our desire to please God. The next goal uh, that God blesses is this. God blesses godly goals that are motivated by love. God blesses goals that are motivated by love. Let's read this uh, next scripture uh, out loud together. It'll come up on the side screen. Let's read this out loud. Everything you do must be done with love. Let's say it again. Everything you do must be done with love. Not some things. Everything you do must be done with love. Why? Because that's the number one lesson in life, is to learn how to love God, and then secondly, how to love other people. And this is the thing, folks. If you don't learn those two things, how to love God and how to love other people, I don't care what accomplishments you have. I don't care how much money you make. I don't care how much property you own or what the experiences are in your life. Because if you don't learn how to love God and love other people, you miss the purpose of life. Because God put you here to learn to love, to learn to love him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to learn to love your neighbor as yourself. So if you're not learning love, God's not going to bless it. God's not going to bless goals, folks, that are based on fear or pride or envy or jealousy or greed, how much I can get. He won't bless those, only those based on love. Now, there are two kinds of uh, love that kind of motivate us, um, both the love for Jesus and love for other people. The first is this love for the Lord. The Bible says this, The life I live in the body... I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. You see, folks, Jesus Christ went to a cross and he died on the cross just for you. If you would have been the only person on planet Earth during that life, whether you turned to him or you didn't, he would have still died for you. 
See, he dies for every Hindu, Muslim, Buddhist, Mormon, uh, whoever it is. He died for all humanity. That's who he died for. And how could you not love somebody back like that? I mean, you see this all the time in the military. Someone takes a bullet for somebody else and they love that person. They think about that person. That person is constantly there. And Jesus did that for you. And that's why I love him. I love him because he did for me what I couldn't do for myself. He took all of the sin in my life, in the past, present, and future, he took it all on for himself and he said, I will take your death penalty. And he died on a cross so that I can have a home in heaven. Now, the other motivation is to love people. The Bible says this, no one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. If you set goals in your life without love, then what happens is people just become projects. People let you step on to get to the next thing you want to do. Because the whole point of life, folks, is to learn how to love. Look at this next scripture. Let's read it out loud together. Let love, that meant like all of us, just in case you were wondering. Uh, Let love be your highest goal. Let love be your highest goal. Last thing. God blesses goals that are achieved with God's power. He blesses goals that are achieved with God's power. It's not your own power, your own strength, but his power. Folks, if you want to have sustainable, long-term, growing goals for your life, they've got to be godly and they've got to be done through his power. Let's look at these last couple verses. The Bible says this, you will not succeed by your own strength or power, but by the Spirit, says the Lord. And kind of my uh, life verse, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and do not depend on your own understanding. Seek His will in all that you do, your health, your diet, your finances, your relationships. Seek His will in all that you do and He will direct your paths. So many of you, you just kind of live one day after the other day, kind of doing the same thing, and you drink a lot of Red Bull and Starbucks. Because you're tired. You're worn out, so you just keep on doing that to try to have something. But if you set godly goals, folks, that are giving Him glory, that are motivated by love, that are dipping into his power pool. You'll never have to worry about Starbucks or Red Bull because you will have a peace that surpasses all understanding and you will have an energy to do life like you've never had before. Now, when you walked in today in your uh, program, you received a little card that looks like this. I'd like you all to pull it out because... um, It really makes no sense whatsoever. If you came and you just listened to everything I did, you took notes, but you haven't set a single goal for your life. So today, I want to encourage you to set a goal. And if you didn't get one of these, just raise your hand. And uh, one of our greeters are back here. They'll they'll pass one to you. Thank you for raising your hand because 
that means you want to change, so that's good. And one of the things that we've done in the life of the jar for many years is asking people to pray for one person who's disconnected or far from God. And maybe you did it last year. Maybe you've never done it. Maybe you're sitting there and you're like, I think I'm the one, one, one person, okay? Well, we're glad you're here. We have another one here. And so what I'd like you to do is just spend some time and say, God, who is the person who's disconnected from you that you want me to invest in? It might be a friend, a family member, a co-worker, somebody, anybody, but the person that they... And it needs to be someone that you connect with regularly. In other words, don't pick Aunt Clara from South Dakota. You only see her every four years, okay? This needs to be somebody that you know. And it would be your greatest desire that they would have hope and joy and love and peace and all these things in their life if you prayed for them. And after you've asked God, we'll give you some time to do that. I'd like you to go over to this wall and you can see some first names that have already been written up there um, from our first celebration. To take a step of faith, to take a risk and say, I'm going to pray for that person for one minute each day at 1 o'clock and I'm going to go. If you have to put it on your phone to remind you, that's what I do. 1 p.m., I know I'm praying and so I do that. And just write their name. And the number of lives that have been changed because of this is amazing. And all of a sudden, you've set one of your love goals for this year. So I'm going to pray, and uh, then the band's going to kind of play a song as you're going to uh, the uh, board there. And um, I'd like to just close by uh, reading this passage of Scripture. And it says this, God, by his mighty power at work within us, is able to do far more than we could ever dare to ask or even dream of, infinitely beyond our highest prayers, desires, thoughts, or hopes. God is able, and he wants to use you to invest in one person. Uh, Once you're done, if you can come back, we'll close out with a song. But uh, let's just pray real quick. Loving God, we know that a part of the vision for your world is that people who are going through some hard stuff would turn toward you. And that part of the vision for each one of our lives, when we've chosen you as Lord, that we want to share that with someone, to reach out to someone. We want to change this year, God, but... Part of that is we need a faith goal to help us to do that. And part of that is to invest in someone who's disconnected from you. So I pray right now through the power of your Holy Spirit that you would move in the lives of the people who are sitting here today. That you would give them a name, maybe a picture in their mind of the person that you want them to pray for, to invest in, And to see them do a 180 this year. And maybe by Easter, God, through time and prayer and encouraging them, they might find the greatest gift of their entire life in you. So I pray, God, that you give strength for people to write names down, to take a walk of faith, to put their name on that. And then for us to believe that you truly are able 
to do far more than we could ever ask for or dream of. So come, God, help us to do this for your honor and glory. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.